welcome to another episode of the Dreamer Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Adams, and I'm very excited about our guest today. Uh, we have with us Dr. Margaret Rutherford. Uh, hello, Margaret. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing great. It's like I said, it's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. We're it is Friday. Good. Feeling good. I, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. Just, um, you know, a little bit of background. Let me give you an intro. In her book, Dr. Margaret bolsters her own clinical experience with real life stories of those experiencing perfectly hidden depression, as well as the most recent research on the dangers of perfectionism. She's passionate about the message that although depression can be heavily masked by perfectionism, its damage can be devastating to someone who may or may not be aware of the loneliness and despair that's growing more potent underneath their accomplishments. And uh, I, that, that is uh, extremely interesting to me. Sure. <laughs> um, and uh, so welcome to the podcast, Margaret. Uh, myself, the Dreamer community is excited that you're here. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, let's, let's get right into it. Um, that sounds great to me, Chris. <laughs> I'm awesome. delighted to be here as well. Awesome. So, uh, so talk to me. This, uh, the concept, perfectly hidden depression. Um, and, and your book that relates to it. Let's, I, I want to know more. I want to understand. Um, I feel like this is maybe something I've experienced in the past. Mm -hmm. um, so what, you know, what led you to this? What is perfectly hidden depression? Let's talk sure. About. I'll be happy to share the story with you because it, I never intended to write a book. I didn't want to write a book. I didn't have any ideas about writing a book. I was just doing my therapy thing and I was really happy with that. That was my actually my second career. I was a jingle singer first and then a, a clinical psych yeah, a jingle singer. And I, like I that. yeah, that was quite a quite a transition from jingle singer to clinical psychologist. It took me about nine years, but it, it was it was great. So um and then when my son left for school I decided I would extend the walls of my practice because I was so tired of the misunderstanding and lack of education about what therapy really is. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to help people. So that's when I started blogging. And then in 2014, I started a podcast, which is the Self Work Podcast, which awesome. is, uh, yeah, it's it's gone great guns. So, um, but in April of 2014, I was just literally sitting in my sunroom one day and thinking, okay, I've got to write a weekly blog post and what do I want to do it on? And I started thinking about these people that I'd helped over the years that when they walked in my door, the last thing they would have told me was that they were either perfectionist or depressed, um, that they just would deny depression. In fact, say, oh, I have so many blessings. I can't be depressed. But what I noticed about all of them, Chris, was that there was either a reticence or almost an inability to connect and describe and, and well, they could describe painful emotion. They could not connect with it. They couldn't express it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wrote about those people and I just pulled the term perfectly hidden depression out of the book because what I learned in working with them is that they were actually dealing with a lot of loneliness, a lot of despair, uh, shame, uh, just constant inner voices of shame and fear. So their perfectionism was fueled by that shame. They had to prove it wrong. They had to quiet it. It wasn't, it wasn't fueled by a sense of fulfillment. So I wrote this post called The Perfectly Hidden Depressed Person, Are You One? Now, at the time, it, I was really lucky if, I don't know, if I got 50 likes or 20 shares or something like that, I was ecstatic. Mm -hmm. And this thing went viral. 
Okay. And at the time, I was writing for HuffPost as well, and they published it. And I had forgotten that I had left my email on the bottom of the post. And I got hundreds of emails in a 24-hour period of time. It's like you're in my head. I've never heard of this. How do you know about this? And I got curious. Mm-hmm. So I went looking for what was in the popular literature about perfectionism and depression. And of course, I found Dr. Brene Brown's work, who is incredible. She talks a lot about vulnerability and, and perfectionism and shame. And she mentions depression, but she didn't talk about perfectionism as being, she, she called it about leading to depression, but that it could actually mask depression. Mm-hmm. And that as a, as a, person in the mental health field, what I became acutely aware of was that we are missing this kind of presentation of depression because it's so easy to overlook mm-hmm. because the person is person is smiling in front of you. They're engaged in their community. They will tell you they love their life. They don't really know why they're sitting in front of you. So it can look sort of like anxiety or like even some OCD symptoms, that kind of thing. So these folks are getting misdiagnosed. So I spent, mm. I spent the next four years, yeah, four years researching, uh, and I found a lot in the academic research about perfectionism and suicidality, actually. And so I decided, you know, if there's not a book out there that maybe I should write it, and that's what I started to do. That's what I did over four years with a lot of help mm-hmm. from people who. Uh, Uh, volunteered to be interviewed by me. I did over 60 um, interviews with everyone from a brain surgeon to a, there was a motivational speaker. There was an advertising exec. There was a graduate student. All these people had sort of written in and said, this is my story. Would you like to talk to me? And I said, yes, didn't take everybody. So with what I learned from them, with what I learned from the research and what I had gleaned from my own, gosh, by that time I'd been in practice for 25 years. Mm -hmm. Um, I put this book together and I was lucky enough to find a publisher and it was published in November of 2019. And then of course the pandemic hit, but it it's done well. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I've sold about, Oh, it doesn't matter. You know what? That doesn't matter. It's, it's reaching <laughs> people. It's reaching people because, yeah, yeah. because I keep getting messages. I just got two today from people who said, I can't, you know, you don't know what this means to me to actually understand what's going on and have a label for it. Hmm. That is so interesting. I so um, it seems almost like it's 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 hidden by like a, like it's like depression of the achiever. It's like the person like that they're you know they're 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 active. They're doing stuff. They're working hard. They're not you know, uh, and so yeah, I can see why people. I, I don't know. I th- I th- this is weird. I'm just going to be vulnerable for a second, but sure, <laughs> you know, like sure. I feel like I relate to this. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's no term for it. Uh, eventually I kind of realized it was depression, but um, just kind of on my like entrepreneurial journey, um, the first, you know, few years of it were pretty rocky, right? Like not, oh, sure. uh, not necessarily successful, you know, um, starting, my family around the same time, you know, there's, there's all the money pressures and like this pressure to uh, like win, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, you, when you take some losses, it can become more, it, like you said, instead of purpose driven, it was like guilt driven and like, um, 
you know, just like guilt driven is the best word I have for it, but just like, Hey, like I put myself in this position, like it's all on me, you know, these type of things. Um, and yeah. then once, once I kind of realized that, that it was, it was guilt and that I was like being way, way too hard on myself all the time. Um, mm. And I was like, look, I, you know, I'm really on this journey to be fulfilled, to have fun and like do what I want to do. And like that kind of simple switch one day or, you know, the process of a couple of weeks really like kind of helped me shed that. And ever since my experience has been completely different. Um, you know, we've got a lot of things going now and we're talking like the same project, you know, this is, yes. <laughs> you know, so it's your um, attitude toward it, the pr you're more interested in process than the, than where exactly than result, the yeah. result. Yeah. And that's right. a huge difference. You know, people will say, well, what's, what's so wrong with perfectionism? I mean, I count on, I like being a perfectionist and there's nothing wrong with constructive perfectionism or adaptive perfectionism as it's sometimes called, mm -hmm. because it is about the process of learning the process of trying the, um, and it's, there's a lot of fulfillment in it. When you do well, you can take pleasure in it. You can think, well, wow, this is great. Then you can take a little breather because you, you know, you've accomplished what you set out to do. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. The problem is that for some people, it either never had that sense of uh, fulfillment because what happens with, uh, and there's, there's not one thing that leads to perfectly uh, a syndrome of perfectly hidden depression there are a lot of things that can happen in childhood. You can be abused. You can be neglected. You can be the star of your family and only, only really um, given any kind of attention when you were the number one, this, or the number one, that, and maybe a parent counted on you to do that, or you were very enmeshed with that parent. It can simply be because you grew up in a family that didn't allow you to talk about being angry or being scared or being, mm depressed or sad, uh, it can have some cultural uh, and familial kind of um, reasons because there's some cultures that don't, that think if you say you're depressed, that you're being weak and you're frail and you don't talk about that kind of thing. So there can be all kinds, right. or sometimes just in certain parts of the country, if you grew up um, male, you know, that men don't do that kind of thing. So I think that what happens is you, you develop a strategy as a child to survive emotionally, whatever, wherever you were, whatever kind of family you were in, whatever kind of culture you were in. And you, you learned how to survive that. And for example, let's say someone grew up without a, a real nurturing parent. Well, guess mm -hmm. what, guess what their strategy becomes. I don't need a nurturing parent. I don't need mm -hmm. to be nurtured because that helps them survive. If they don't think they need to be nurtured, then they do fine. But the problem is, and when they get into adulthood, and they walk into their adulthood saying, I don't need to be nurtured. It can lead to things like this syndrome. And then I must, you know, I must succeed and I must this and I must that. So destructive perfectionism has no fulfillment. In fact, once you accomplish one task, it's on to the next and mm -hmm. on to the next and on to the next. And actually there's this thing called socially prescribed perfectionism that's about this pressure to constantly meet the expectation or even exceed the expectations of other people. And mm -hmm. it been highly correlated with suicidal thoughts and even suicide. So perfectionism can be really, really dangerous. Yeah, it's, it's pressure, right? It's just this crazy amount of pressure. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow, that this is so interesting. Um, so let's let's talk self work for a second. 
Okay. Because um, yeah, otherwise that's a, that's otherwise that whole thing is a rabbit hole for me personally. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But the uh, so let's talk self work. I think self work is maybe the thing that you know definitely helped me come out of what I would call like my uh, spout with depression, at least at that, you know, pivotal point in my life. Um, the, uh, it's something I believe in a lot. I think self-work is really, it's like the work, um, you know, everything kind of stems from that. Um, talk to me about self-work. What's uh, like, you know, what's the subject of the self-work podcast? You know, what's your definition of self-work and what do you think that, that role in our lives? Like, sure. Well, I'm a therapist, Chris, because I got really good therapy. I mean, my 20s were chaotic. It was, Mm -hmm. I was not making good choices. I was lost. I was, I'm sure anybody who knew me then hears that I've written a book about (laughs) psychology or I'm a clinical psychologist would go, her? (laughs) She was one messed up girl. Um, But so I, I have been doing my own self-work for a long time. And I think that going either either working on yourself by reading or journaling or uh, mindfulness and meditation or however you want to do the work some but at least to have some objective stance towards yourself is very very important if you can and of course I'm a huge believer in therapy so um, I I start like I said in a few minutes ago I started the podcast because I really I'm just sick and tired of stigma. I mean, it's just, uh, and I thought, well, what can I do about it? You know, I, I can either sit here and hate it, or I can try to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started the podcast. The podcast is actually, mostly, it's me picking a subject. And then I research that subject. And I bring that research to the audience. And then I add my own two cents into it as having, a you know, I've had a lot of experience at this point. And um, then that we also have a listener email. It, listeners uh, write in or email me, and I'll, I'll answer their question. Um, the podcast is not meant to be therapy. It's not therapy, but it is therapeutic, I think. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, mm-hmm. the the best compliment I can get, because when I my welcome is always I welcome people uh, who are already well educated about psychology and emotional work and those of you who might just have been diagnosed and you're looking for answers, but also to those of you who've told other people, I'd never darken the door of a therapist, (laughs) you know, but you're curious, you're curious. And so it's when those people write in and say, I'm one of those never darken the door people. And by listening to you, I figured out, you know, therapists are not weird. Not all of them, at least (laughs) they're not completely all about, you know, warm and fuzzy. They just, you know, you're just a real person and you've got this mm-hmm. uh, experience. So that always makes me feel good. Um, so th- that that's mostly the format of the podcast. I, uh, I Last year I reached um, over 2 million downloads and then um, now I'm, I'm ginning along at about a hundred thousand per month. That's just downloads. That's, that's just downloads. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, last summer, I uh, was approached by some people. I had tried doing interviews early on, and it, I don't know, my listeners didn't like it, mm-hmm. so I quit. Um, but some of people began reaching out to me that were New York Times bestselling authors. I couldn't say no. I was so fascinated. I wanted to talk to them, you know, mm-hmm. and learn from them. And I thought my listeners could learn from them. So about now, once every four to five weeks, I'll also do an interview. 
Like I just awesome. finished with Jenny Lawson, who has written many books and hundreds of thousands of people read her books. And she was delighted. I've worked with John Moe and Terry Cheney and Lewis Howes and all that kind of thing. So it's been great. That's amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to checking out the podcast. Sure, um, I hope you do. <laughs> I, I really will. Uh, I promise because this is a this whole subject matter is obviously very interesting to me uh, and relatable. So, um, well, I do talk about perfectly hidden depression. There are probably, I don't know, 12 to 15 episodes, but I'm at episode 227. So, and I don't talk about like really um, jargonistic things like the last one, this last one this week uh, was on um, stuffing your emotions. I've written ones on how to build your self-confidence um making motivation happen um I, I try to talk about the things that people really talk to me about in therapy and that i have some ideas about it myself and then like i said i go look up the the best research yeah that's self-work you know that's, that's uh, self-work <laughs> yeah, that's right that's, the, that's what i'm really interested in i think i think self-work is um very critical when it comes to pursuing your dreams um just because yeah. uh you know, it's a, I, I believe in a, a concept just of like building momentum mm -hmm. on things, um, you know, uh, even just like the, the story of how your book got published, you know, um, right. a series of blog posts, you know, might have been your hundredth blog post, I don't know, but that habit of expressing those ideas led to you writing that blog post that going viral and, and, all and the this, other right? the other thing were, were were relationships I mean I mm -hmm. I had I'm I'm kind of an introvert so I wasn't real I wasn't too good at the relationship building part but I the people that I did meet and sure enough one of them turned out to be an uh, an acquisitions editor for an agent uh, mm -hmm. which I didn't even know. She probably told me what she did when I first met her, but I didn't even understand the language well enough to know. Right. Uh, so a lot of times, it, you know, I've been very blessed and very lucky that a lot of the people who have known me and and have, have helped me, and now I'm trying to do the same thing for other people. So, but you know, uh, y'all had asked me some questions. Um, you said, these are the kinds of things that we want to talk about. And mm -hmm. one of the thing was, uh, you know, what were your pivotal moments? And I began thinking about pivotal moments. There were several of them I could remember, but they, for me, they were really not only when I moved forward on something, but when I changed direction. Um, you know, I, as a therapist, I think it's not the direction you go in that really matters, it's that you go in a direction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, to, to, everybody says, oh, I, I've got to do the right thing. The next step has to be the right step. Well, I, yes, it's wonderful if it is, and <laughs> it makes it easier on everybody. But so many people deal with, um, they have a dream, they have something that they really are inspired about or passionate about. They have a talent, they have a skill. But they, oh, I've got to do this in the right way. I've got to make right. sure that this first step, and that's paralyzing. It's absolutely, absolutely paralyzing. And so I think that, you know, a little mantra of mine is, again, I'll say it again, it's not the direction that you go, it's that you go in a direction. And then going down that path will help you. You'll learn. It's kind of like if you were on a, literally, if you were hiking a trail, you'd never walked. And someone said, well, how far are you going to go? Well, I don't know. I'm going to walk for 30 minutes and see how tired I am. And I may come back or I may, right. decide, you know, I need to do this trail again, or I may decide 
I'll never do this trail again. So, you know, the, the act of, of moving is what teaches you where you you want to go next. I, when I first was a jingle singer, I'd heard about this thing called music therapy and mm. I had been volunteering at the Better Women's Shelter in Dallas. And I thought, oh no. And I wasn't real happy. Again, that whole chaotic thing, uh, being a jingle singer and, and, um, and I sang in clubs at night and it just wasn't, could, I, I was not flourishing as a person. And so I went into music therapy. I put all the money I had in the world down that first year uh, to get me through that first year. And then I became a graduate assistant so I could get my, my, make a little money. And you know, that's not what I ended doing. Mm-hmm. I, I went, my last internship was in a psych hospital and I thought, oh, no, this is what I wanted to. Well, I had, didn't even have a psychology degree. Mm. So I had to go, I had to find some more money and I had to go back to school for a whole nother year, get more hours. And, uh, and again, so literally it took me nine years to go from, from closing the Fairmont hotel as a singer to mm. seeing my first patient. And it was a long nine years, but it was so rewarding along the way. That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, this is something I actually talk about a lot and, and really believe in um, is just the idea of movement, um, just one foot in front of the other. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's why I believe in, in self work, because uh, that just it gets some movement going uh, in a way that benefits you personally. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then it kind of spills to the outside of like, okay, now I can really, you know, know I'm taking effective steps uh, as I take these steps forward. And um, so yeah, movement. And second is just like kind of just pointing in a direction is like kind of the piece that uh, I think about when it comes to that is like, we don't need to know what the next step is. It doesn't really matter, right? As long as we're taking that step. But if we have- It's hard to trust that, but it's, that's certainly what I have found is true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But if you have an end goal, right, then it doesn't matter. Like as long as you're moving forward, you're moving towards it. And that um, that that moving forward is what creates those potentials, the possibilities, the relationships. You know, you go to that event, you call that person, you know, whatever the next step is. Sure. um, And and uh, that's that's when the doors open. So um that that's huge. Um, Thank you for sharing that. And you're uh, welcome. It's hard (laughs) earned. Harder. Everyone. Um, it's it's so hard to trust that. It's just really, it's it's hard. Well, what do you mean? I, I you know that that I might waste money and I don't have a I don't have hardly any money, or I might waste my time, or I might, and I think that whole mindset of this will be a waste, rather than saying, I mean, I don't think we tell our children that. I don't think you mm-hmm. say, well, if you try this sport or you try the guitar or you try you know, this friendship. And if it doesn't work out, you don't go, well, that was a waste of your life, you four-year-old you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or seven-year-old or eight-year-old. You go, well, okay, so what did you learn? And you, you learn something about yourself and then you just incorporate that into who you are. But somehow we, I guess, because there's so much pressure uh, in our culture to be successful mm-hmm. that we, uh, we box ourselves in a lot. Yeah, I agree. I think that's uh, I think that's what creates the the paralyzation, right? Because you want to be there. It, it's about the result. Um, you know, again, like you're talking about being process oriented versus being result oriented. It's like 
you know, I, I only want to spend the money on this guitar class if it means I'm going to be a su successful guitar player afterwards. You know, right. I only want to spend the money on this course if it means I'm going to go make the $100,000 afterwards. And it's not about that, you know, that, and that's why I really, um, that's why I, I just believe in the concept of dreams as a way to really help kind of navigate these things. Uh, it's just because, you know, it, it's just about, it's taking the next step. You take the class because that's in alignment with, you know, you wanting to, you know, whatever your dream is. And then you'll, you'll learn something, you know, and then it's on to the next thing. <laughs> and it's, uh, if we could, yeah, shift that mindset, I think that would help solve so much. Um, and, and so how do you think that that plays into, uh, does that play into the concept of, of hidden depression and, and that kind of like, you know, perfectionism thing? Oh, yes, um, of course. Um, you know, I've had some uh, African-American patients of mine who came because of the perfectly hidden depression thing say, but Margaret, you don't understand. If I had been perfect, if I had looked perfect or, you know, I'm, I would have I would have gotten passed over. And so there was an extra motivation for, and I think this is true for a lot of minorities that, um, you know, you get, you, you fear being passed over or not ever getting the opportunity if you mm -hmm. don't, if you don't exceed the expectations of everybody. So I think that's, a, that is obviously uh, something that has to be worked through. But as my patients have been doing that, they're finding that their their voices are stronger. They're they're not trying to fit the mold of the workplace where they are. They're they're able to come more into um, their own voices and say, I you know I'm not going to look like the person next to me because my experience is so much different. And mm -hmm. of course, last year with all that's been going on, both pandemic and and culturally and racially or ethnically, I guess I should say, um, you know it it's been especially important. Those conversations have been very, very uh, difficult, very difficult. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's the way out, you know, say, say someone listens to this or they read your book and they realize, wow, like I'm actually depressed. I, I would thought it was something else. You know, I thought I just needed to get this and this done. What is like, what's that first step to, well, I, you know, it's, people have sort of asked me the question again, perfectly hidden depression is not a diagnosis. You don't, you don't go into your primary care office and say, <laughs> doctor's <laughs> office and say, I have perfectly hidden depression. Can I take well, it? It's, it's depression, right? Like that's what it is. It, it is not going to fit criteria for classic depression, the way it looks upon presentation. Okay. okay? I had mm -hmm. a guy tell me, for example, he went to a psychiatrist and Psychiatrist gave him, a, a, you know, a depression inventory, which a lot. And so, you know, do you ever feel helpless? Do you ever feel hopeless? Do you ever think about suicide? No, 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 no. Is what someone with perfectly mm -hmm. in depression would say. And he actually tried to hang himself about three weeks later. And uh, because the psychiatrist just dismissed him and said, no, you're not depressed. So the psychiatrist actually came, which is, incredible in and of itself came to his hospital room and almost mad and he said you were in my office three weeks ago and you didn't say about anything and the man looked at him and said you asked me the wrong questions mm -hmm. you asked me do I feel hopeless I'm not going to tell you because I'm a perfectionist that I feel hopeless the question you should ask me is if you did feel hopeless would you tell anyone mm -hmm. and the answer to that question is no I wouldn't and that's the clue that we've got somebody mm. who cannot express 
painful emotions, probably because of trauma, probably because of culture, a, a whole bunch of different reasons. So part of the work of this, you say, how do you get better? You, you really have to be, first step is to become conscious of it as a problem. Right. Um, most people, you know, um, would say, I'm, I'm glad I'm a perfectionist and I think she's crazy and I don't want to give it up. Well, that's fine. And maybe you have constructive perfectionism, but if you can see it as a problem, you have to kind of become mindful and be aware of, of the constant negative talk you've got in your head going on and mm -hmm. how you're always overly, overly responsible and you worry, but you don't let anybody know you worry. So all you do is you just have to have a lot of control or you're a really, really good friend, but nobody knows who you are. No one knows you. you know, you'll say things like, oh, if I started crying, I'd never stop. You know, ha, 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 ha. Mm -hmm. Um you cover up with laughter, you cover up with sarcasm, you cover up with changing the subject, you cover up with just refusing to talk about it. Um, and, and yet you can be a very empathic, giving, caring person yourself. You just have walls up that letting right. anyone else into your world. Um, you know, some of the steps that I said in the book, um, I think it's looking at some of your tendencies up toward commitment. Um, you'll probably try too hard and get burnout really quickly. I mean, there, there are certain things about perfectionism that are specifically difficult uh, in therapy. But also, I think you have to look at your rules and beliefs and really mm -hmm. challenge some of those, all the musts and have tos and never cans and all that kind of stuff. Then you have to, with compassion, go back and look at your childhood and begin to acknowledge, not blame, acknowledge the things that happened that were both wonderful and were helpful and were caring and good, but also the things that really were painful. And as you go back and acknowledge those things and are compassionate toward that child, then you can also begin to see these patterns. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I had had this happen to me when I was four, I probably would have acted differently here or I would have acted differently there. So you go back and you kind of trace a timeline. If you have severe trauma in your background, you should not do that work by yourself. You need a, a trained therapist to really help you with that. Right. Then I'll tell you that, I mean, I am a, I, my patients hear me say this and they, you know, some of them roll their eyes because I say it so much, but I think insight is wonderful. Understanding something objectively or analytically and in, in even conceptually is very helpful. You can have lots of aha moments, but where you get hope is from behavior change. Mm. You know, you get hope from seeing yourself feel an emotion you've never felt. You see yourself make a choice you've never made or, or make, or don't make the choice you typically make. <laughs> you yeah. know, you, you begin to see yourself moving and here we back to movement, aren't we? Uh, moving and changing and growing and you can take all the different traits of perfectly hidden depression and begin and others that I'm sure those are not the only 10 traits of perfectionism they were just the ones that I could put together in my own head at the time I wrote the book mm -hmm. you have to do some somatic work I mean you know a lot of perfectionists are really constricted you know often um, in their in their bodies and so learning how to let go there can be very important too wow Incredible. Um, well, uh, thank you for your work. I mean, 
to, to, to see something and, and, you know, follow that call to, to get that message out there and make more people aware of it. I mean, I imagine at this point you've positively impacted hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives. Yeah. So congrats. Well, on thank that. you for that. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I have been in contact with too many people whose sons or daughters or friends or spouses have killed themselves and the, the community and the family's going, I didn't even know they were depressed. They're just shocked. And that, that kind of suicide rate is going up. So mm -hmm. we really, as a culture, got to be aware of that. Yeah, is that, so is that something that you, that was just a kind of follow-up question that I thought about as you were talking, was this whole kind of shift towards entrepreneurial uh, culture, you know, people mm -hmm. wanting to, to, I guess, just, you know, be their own boss, create their own thing, um, be, you know, really chase that opportunity for big success, right, uh, that maybe career wouldn't provide. Have you seen an increase in this, you know, not just depression as a whole, but like the hidden kind alongside that, because I would think that that might be something that, you know, just tied together. Well, he, probably tough to say, because well, I again, I'm not a researcher, I'm a clinician. Mm -hmm. So, okay. you know, I haven't set up a research model that would say, you know, certain, uh, but I know that the researchers have found that perfectionism in general is going up. And there's, there's a woman named Jean T, I don't know how to say her last name, it's T-W-E-N-G-E, -E, Twinge, who's a sociologist that has studied all the different generations since the World War II generation, as far as their depression and anxiety and suicidality and all that stuff. She is really concerned more than concerned about millennials and even the younger generation from millennials because uh, as she somewhat sarcastically but tragically says young people aren't killing each other as much but they're killing themselves more mm. so you know true. it's right. one thing to be your own entrepreneur and not want to work for a company and and all that's that's wonderful but are you socially connected? Are you having real relationships with people that you can count on? Or are mm -hmm. you sitting in front of your computer screen or your iPad or your, your phone and you're just spending so much time being isolated that, um, you know, depression would be right around the, right around the door. And especially if you run into struggle, you need a, you need a support network, a, a mm. real one, real people, people who can yep. hold your hand or at least during the pandemic wanted to give you a hug, even though they might not be able to, but they told yeah. you all the time how they wish they would. So in whatever entrepreneurial journey that you take, I think it's important to stay connected to, I know it's important to stay connected to people that care about you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we say that, that a, a supportive network is, is really the foundation for any uh, dream to achieve any dream. And yep. that includes the, the personal relationships. And I think, you know, as we, we just become more evolved as a society, it's really the professional ones too. It's just, you know, who you spend time with and who you sure. surround yourself with. It's just, that's a big part of your environment. Right. So, well, I, I wrote um, the acknowledgements in the book. I said, you know, I told everybody that I would try very hard not to talk about writing the book. And I'm sure i absolutely talked a lot about writing the book and so please give you know forgive me but my husband was incredibly supportive my son my friends um so it it uh i couldn't have done it without them because i it was hard it was, it was probably the hardest thing i've ever done except give birth <laughs> <laughs> kind of like giving wow. birth i guess 
Wow. Um, amazing. So, so, you know, I know this kind of just had, I don't know if this, you know, becoming a, uh, a, a very successful author and podcast host was part of your dreams at, at any point, but, um, you know, you're obviously a big achiever, you know, a very long career, you know, do what's your dreams now? You know, I, I'm curious what's, what's next, you know, what would you like to see? Uh, what are we working towards now? Well, I'm really, um, I mean, you were kind to say that maybe I've, you know, helped millions of people. I don't think the message has gotten out that, that well yet. Now, I will tell you that I, uh, it's been translated into seven different languages, or at least three so far, and they, we have contracts on four more. And I just interviewed a young woman in Poland on Monday, and she told me that the book sold out in three days in Poland. So I'm to bet you've hit <laughs> and it's in Books Dutch. Get lended, you it's know, in Dutch right? and it's in Korean. And in Korea, there was an actual bidding war on the book. They knew that it would be that successful. So it's pretty exciting to see the book being translated into so many different languages. And what I'm trying to do right now is, um, you know, what that I turned the book in in twenty. Uh, early part of 2019 and I couldn't touch it anymore. I've learned a lot in three years about it and, and mm -hmm. talking to more people. So I'm trying to sort of uh, convince my publishing company to let me do a little, uh, a workbook that would actually stand on its own and more about what else there is to talk about. Cause there, I couldn't talk about any, everything in 200 pages. So right, right now my passion is to deepen the, to, to deepen the message to people. Um, because I am that passionate about it. And just like everybody else in the world right now, I also I just personally want to travel. <laughs> and, you know, I also want to stay healthy. I, I, um, that's, a, um, you know, I'm 66 years old. So it's, um, you know, you've got some challenges at that age and I want to stay very vital. And so part of any plan or any dream I have is to pay attention and make sure I'm getting some good self-care. So, I right. can uh, have the energy and the strength to do all of this. Awesome. Uh, well, yes. Yeah, so, so if I'm a betting man, if I had to bet, we're definitely over millions of people on this message. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure that that second book is going to make it out. So, um, you know, I wish you the best on that. Um, before we get out of here, can you just tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find the self-work podcast and where to just read up more? Um, and of course, where to buy the book? Sure. Well, um, my website's drmargaretrutherford.com and you can find the, find the podcast there. You can subscribe to the website and you'll actually receive a weekly newsletter that gives you every the weekly blog post and the weekly podcast episode. So that's an easy way. But I, my, the podcast is on every, it's on iHeartRadio, it's on Spotify, it's on Apple Podcasts, it's on every, every podcast platform there is. Um, the book is uh, at Amazon, both an ebook, audiobook, and paperback. And awesome. it's Barnes and Noble and everywhere else. And indie books, it's certainly there. We want to make sure we, we um, uh, use indie books because it's just such a vital part of our community. And, um, you know, if you want to talk with me again, uh, here's my email. <laughs> it's askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. And I do try, I read them all. I can't answer them all, but I do read them all. All right. Amazing. Well, Dr. Margaret, it's been incredible to have this conversation with you. I hope we get to have another one Sounds someday good. soon. And uh, all right. And, and good luck with your dream as well. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much.